This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation and our partner, the Compassionate Friends. We have a mission of helping people find hope after loss. Well, we have a very interesting show today, Heidi, and we are going to be talking about the topic of compassionate choice, um, given the fact that you may be dying. Uh, Some people call it assisted suicide, and we'll be talking to our guest about that today and about the assisted suicide name as a a name. Go ahead. Do you want to introduce our guest today, Hyde? Absolutely. We will also be talking to people about how people heal after a loved one has died by an assisted suicide. And our guest today is an expert in this field, and his name is Dr. Robert Leiner. He is a graduate of Stanford University, Honors in Humanities, and the University of Rochester Medical School. He practiced and taught OBGYN for 20 years in San Francisco, was in private practice in the Bay Area, and served on the faculty of UCSF in their prenatal diagnostic center. He is now retired and volunteers with Compassion and Choices. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I I admire your work that you and your mom do. Oh, thank you. Actually, Bob's... Can I call you Bob? Did yes, we call you Bob? Yes, please, please. Bob's right here in the studio today with me, Heidi, which is a lot of fun. We usually have people from a distance. And we also share a commonality because we both uh, graduated from the University of Rochester, and uh, it's a great institution. So um, it's going to be interesting to talk to him. Well, Bob, talk to us about the organization you're involved with. Now, you've retired, and you are a physician who has a lot of thoughts and experience with end-of-life care. Talk to us a little bit about the organization you're involved with now. Sure. Well, uh, Compassion and Choices is a national nonprofit, and we're dedicated to improving the quality of care and the choices available to people at the end of life. Part of that is to try to make sure that palliative care is delivered in a way that allows people as much in the way of options, as much choice as they as possible. And that means, in our view, um, including the option of hastening their, their death by, uh, with what we call physician aid in dying. We prefer to not refer to it as suicide mm-hmm. because, uh, although we want no pejorative uh, meaning to be attached to suicide, people who who die by suicide, as, as you know, um, often uh, feel compelled to do that and don't have much choice about it either because of their emotional illness. But it's still a little different from the situation of someone who is actively dying from cancer or heart disease or uh, a ALS and has an inevitability about their death. These people aren't seeking to die, they would much prefer to live if they had a choice. But what they are interested in having is some control over the how 
of their dying. Right. And um, given that, our real focus is on the people after the death. And that's not something that gets talked a lot about. And people are talking a lot about whether you should take your own life or have the pills or whatever. There's been... Um, you know, things in magazines and things recently about that. But Heidi and Maynard. yeah, yeah, and but Heidi and I are wondering, what about the families after? And how does this impact the grieving process? Well, the best way of looking at that probably is to look at the experience of the state of Oregon, because um, aid in dying was made legal in Oregon back in 1997. Actually, a little before that, but enacted starting in 1997. So there's been 17 years of experience in the state of Oregon. And I can point to um, a study that was done by a psychiatrist. She's a she's works in the Department of Psychiatry and Palliative Care at the um, Oregon uh, University of Health Sciences. She did a study pretty recently that wa- was titled The Mental Health Outcomes of Family Members of, Ornigo- of Oregonians Who Request Physician Aid in Dying. And the lead author was this woman, Linda, Linda Ganzini. And, and what they found was that the pursuit of aid in dying did not have any negative effects on the surviving family members, and that, uh, in fact, it was associated with a greater preparation and acceptance of death. So there was no influence on subsequent depression or grief, and um, people whose loved one availed themselves of the so-called Death with Dignity Act in Oregon they felt that their choices, the choices of their loved ones were more honored and less likely, and they were less likely to have regrets about how the loved ones died. We're in the, we're in the good memory business. We want people to have, have good memories about the, the dying process if possible. Right. And now I, I haven't had a chance to look at that study, but I'd have to look at who the family members were, where they lived, how many family members she talked to, you know, what did they all say? I talked to my husband this morning and I said to him, what is, in fact, I've talked to a lot of people around the studio and people today about what What's your thought about it? My husband said to me, I said, what do you think about assisted suicide? And I will call it that because I think that's what the world's calling it. You may be moving we're, into we're, another. We're working on, on, on working. helping them to call it something else. Right. But, because... but right now it's called assisted suicide. And I said, what do you think about assisted suicide? And my husband said, it's not natural. And I said, we'll talk about it more. And he said, no. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Now, that's a family member out there that has a wholly different opinion. I walked down the hall, and some of the young guys said, here, sure, great, you know, whatever. And they're the younger you know, younger generation. And then we had a woman in our, uh, our secretary here, Allison, who made a very interesting comment. She said that at the same time, the gal in Oregon, what was her name that oh, had the brain Brittany tumor? Brittany Maynard. Yeah. At the time, Brittany Maynard uh, decided that she was going to take an overdose. She had a brain tumor. He had a brain tumor also. And he said, absolutely no way. I would not do that. And the family saw him go through the whole process, and she decided to take her life. So there are, you know, those different choices. But there are some things in the literature that talk a little bit about the fact that assisted suicide can incite feelings of moral conflict. And there have got to be family members out there who live in another state or first cousins or what that are not down this happy, rosy cheery little path of saying it was better. And there's also some feelings of isolation, secrecy in the grieve in the grieving process for relatives because they don't want to tell people how 
the the person died. So I don't know what you're coming. But see, I don't know where you got that, Gloria, because because really um, the experience. And it's sort of like um, you know, it's so because somebody said it's so. But 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 Oregon is the state that has the most experience yeah. with this because it's been out in the open and therefore very much discussed. And that's part of for 17 years. And and the experience overall seems to be quite different. And um, I've got to see yeah. where the study came from. It was also a study and, of and families. Bob, do you do you find that that, it, that people that are in the younger generation have a different view, or not necessarily? Because things like this are happening more. You know what I mean? It's more. It's becoming a little more acceptable, et cetera, And the laws right. are changing. Or have you not found that that? Do you not find that there's a correlation between? age and how people well, feel you know, about it. We, we feel that people should be openly, feel free and comfortable to talk about death, just like talking about grieving. You and, and your mom are, are letting people have an opportunity to talk about the grieving process. And co- contrary to having right. that do right. any harm, as many of your guests have attested, it, it makes things much easier for them. And we feel the same way. So it's, you know, when your mom and I were at in medical training in Rochester, death was really in the closet. We weren't supposed to tell patients even that they were dying because it might kill them, you know? Well, that's what I'm wondering. Things are, things are changing. Things are changing gradually in this, in, this, in this field. I mean, like you said, it used to be that we didn't even talk about death. We, we think that it's never too soon to talk about these things. And, and in fact, we sponsor an essay contest for high school students who are preparing to go to college and invite them to write essays about topics that relate to these sorts of conversations. And, you know, we offer a $1,500, I think it is, prize for the first prize winner and get maybe 500 or so applicants. So Awesome. And, in fact, some of the people who have set law, law precedent over the years have been young people who found themselves unexpectedly, who were un- unconscious, comatose, and so on, and... and if they had talked with their family members ahead of time, it would have relieved a lot of stress. Now, tell me how many people actually choose to... You, you said that not too many people choose to do assisted suicide even when it is legal. Well, in se- seven, 17 years in Oregon, as, again, the best example because there's the most experience there, there have been maybe about 800 people who have chosen to use the Death with Dignity Act in Oregon. And that's out of maybe 20,000 deaths a year right. in Oregon, so less than something around 0.2 to 0.5%. So it's a, it's a small number. But, but, but Gloria and, and Heidi, what we've heard from families that have been interviewed about this is that even though about a third of the patients who are terminally ill who get a prescription from their doctors, about a third of them never use the pills. They just keep them in their oh, bedside yeah. drawer. But uniformly, they say that it was an enormous comfort for them to know that they had a key to the exit, to be in charge. And, and in fact, sense. for some of them, they might have lived longer than they would have otherwise because they, they felt a relief of the anxiety. And, and, and one of the things we stress is that the best preparation for death is a life that's fully w- and well-lived. And getting away from the anxiety about having some terrible way of dying or being in the intensive care unit hooked up to machines and having no control, 
And uh, instead of that, they can start focusing on what's important to them. You know what, Heidi? I want to move to talking about. I want to move to talking about some of the things that our listeners may be struggling with. Okay. And I want to talk about it. You know, it may be a good thing in most families; it works out for them. But what about if I? There's a secrecy to it. A grieving relative, you know. What about holding those feelings? Is it okay to tell people about it? What do you do if you have feelings where you, I, you know, it's not just an assisted suicide. It's with um, drug overdoses, you know, suicides in general. I mean, what this do you do? This is the do? opposite of secrecy. No, but no, but a lot of people do do not want to talk about how their family member died if they choose. I mean, we can't assume that everybody's going to agree with this in the family. We we just cannot assume that. So long you're saying what if what if part of the what if part of the family is not in agreement? Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. I mean, how do I handle uh, it now? What do I do with it now? Well, now there are five states where aid in dying is considered part of the options for good medical practice. Right. And, and but in the in the other states, the status quo is secrecy because Doctors can go ahead and and give people overdoses of what's called palliative sedation. They can yeah, give them- yeah. Now I want to point that out, Bob. Doctors have always been helping people at the very end, and right. they call it what? Well, they call it's called in modern terms, it's called palliative sedation. Right. First of all, the good news is about ninety five percent of suffering of pain at the end of life can be relieved with standard palliative techniques. And that's important to know. How much? What percent? Something like 95%. And pain is way down on the list of motivations for people who use Oregon's Death with Dignity, Dignity Act. It's not pain. It's more a matter of fearing losing their essential selves, having their, 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 losing their, their ability to relate to their loved ones, losing a sense of themselves. In a way, it's a, it's a kind of a last self-defense act. So, but in states where it's illegal for someone to have physician aid in dying, that's where there is secrecy. Mm, Yeah. In fact, in Oregon, ever since the Death with Dignity Act was passed in 1997, the conversations about death and dying have improved and increased tremendously. And, and we've had, um, now now there are continuing education requirements for physicians to take pain management courses so so that um will help to not have pain be a controlling factor so i uh, so bob what's really important for the family and for everybody is conversation absolutely. right absolutely just as with grief uh, after uh, someone right. has died and, and talking about if they did decide to do um Assisted uh, suicide, or what? What? What did you call it again? Aid in dying. Uh, aid in dying. Um, to I hope this radio show will help if anyone is feeling like a moral issue or whatever about their their loved one taking their life. Get, have conversation. It's an interesting conversation to talk about all of the, you know, all of the ups and downs and highs and lows. And it it can be, you know, talking about the moral conflict. Don't let yourself get isolated. Um, Don't keep it a secret. You know, go on your side. Uh, give him how, how to I'm get on the thinking, side. Mom, reaching out to reaching reaching out to other people who've, who have had loved ones die by aid and dying. Absolutely. Because the more we can reach out to people that are like us, the more that we feel like you know we 
it normalizes our own experience. And and also for them to know that not everybody's in agreement and to be able to talk about that and, right. and to be able to come around to that and circle. And, and unfortunately, I think there's a lot of judgment in the world. And people are really, it's really easy to be a Monday morning quarterback. And unless you've been in that situation, I don't really think you know what you would do. But it's easy for people to stand back and judge. And I think people need support. They need people to come in and support them no matter how their loved one has died. And I think this could be, you know, this could have a stigma, like you said. It could have a stigma that could be negative and people wouldn't get the support that they really need and, and deserve. Absolutely. Now, tell us uh, the website for your site, Bob. It's um, www.compassionandchoices, with no punctuation, just the compassionandchoices.org. Yeah. And another thing is you guys use volunteers. You're volunteering, right? Yeah, we do. And and ser- our services are free, too. We we do education, but we also do direct patient services. We offer consultation. We encourage people and tell them how they can go about getting doing advanced directives. Mm-hmm. And all that is our free. Those are all it's free a, services. It's a very, very impressive site. If you haven't been on it and looked at the people on it, it's very, very impressive. So we want to thank you for being on the show today and being willing to open up to this dialogue and, and thought. It's really great, Bob. Thank you. It's a pleasure being with you. Dr. Bob, this is such an important topic because, you know, as time goes on in this world, we are going to have, there's going to be more options for aid and dying, and our, our laws are going to change. And we're also living longer and longer and longer, and there's going to be more of us out there that need to have this as an option. So I think it is really important. You are on the forefront of this conversation, and it's just going to get bigger as time goes on, as you know. So thank you for being a leader in in this very, very important topic at this time. My pleasure. There are 11 states that are now have legislators wanting to introduce laws to to be similar to Oregon's. Well, thank you, Heidi. It was uh, great to have Bob on, wasn't it? Absolutely, yes. It's a, it's a powerful conversation and one that is just at the at the at its infancy at this point. That's right, and you realize that when you walk around in the as I did this morning and ask people, including your dad, um, what they think about it, and they're like, "No way! Oh, I no way! It's not natural." Or the kids are saying, "Oh yeah, whatever." You know, I mean, you can do two ways: you can uh, shut it down, or you can just say, "Oh, whatever." You know, and and it's really and, and then there's and then there's the the other. Right. There's, there's those two extremes, and then there's the other piece. And, and that's, that's my view of, I don't know what I would do in, until I was there. Right. I, you don't know what pain feels like until you're in it at one th- level 1,000 and saying, I can't bear this anymore. So we don't know. We don't know what, what we would do unless we're living it. Absolutely. Well, thank you all for listening to our show today, and we hope that you'll uh, tell people about this show and it, because it's a pretty amazing topic to have opened, and you've been listening to the Open to Hope show brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation and the Compassionate Friends. Thank you so much for listening today. And Heidi and I always like to say, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours till you find your own, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. 
they made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.